You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for the love that you have for us in Christ Jesus, and we ask now as we turn to your word that you would magnify him in our hearts and our minds, that we might uh, see him, that we might love him, that we might walk in his ways. This we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please keep your bulletin open to the Colossians reading so you can follow along and make sure what I'm saying is trustworthy and true. Uh, Throughout the lectionary, we've been going through Paul's letter to the Colossians and through it we've seen and we've, we've heard how Paul has been explaining to the Colossians that the gospel changes and transforms everything. In chapter 1, Paul thanks God that he's seen this gospel change and transform the Colossians themselves. He explains how through the cross of Jesus Christ, God has reconciled the Colossians back to himself. But it doesn't just stop there with the Colossians, for in Christ, through the good news of his death and resurrection, God is reconciling all things, whether on earth or in heaven, to himself. In chapter 2, Paul explains how the gospel changes and transforms our relationship with the law and all external religious traditions. That circumcision and all outward forms of religion are of no value to us now. For through the gospel and by the Spirit, we have been circumcised in our hearts. The Old Testament form of worship was merely the shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now as we turn to chapter 3, Paul once again presses on this theme that the death and resurrection of Jesus changes everything. This includes the way we use our bodies and what we set our hearts and minds upon. Let's look at this passage more closely. Paul begins by reminding the Colossians who they are in Christ. Look at verses 1 through 4 again with me. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with God in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. For anyone who has put their faith in Jesus, we are given a new identity. We began to see this in chapter 2, and we see it more fully here, that by faith we are now in Christ. By faith... And through the Spirit, we are identified with Jesus so that whatever happens to him happens to us. So just as verse 3 says, we have died with him. And verse 1 says, we have also been raised with him. Now this doesn't mean that you as a person have ceased to exist. You yourself have not passed away. But rather because we have been united to Jesus, the death that he experienced on the cross we experience spiritually as our sinful way of life is put to death. Our old identities, our old way of living, our old self has died with Christ. In the same way, the resurrection that he experienced on the third day, we experience spiritually as we are by the power of the Holy Spirit, born again and made into a new creation. Those 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, so did your sin. And the penalty we deserved for it. And on the third day when Jesus rose to new life, so too did we rise as a new creation. As those who have have this new identity of being in Christ, 
We are no longer to be counted as those who are of the world. We are no longer enemies of God. We are no longer strangers and aliens to Him. But now when God looks at us, He doesn't see our sin, our rebellion, our selfishness, our pride, our need for control. He sees Jesus Christ. And when at the last day we stand before His judgment throne, He will not pronounce us as guilty, for He will see us clothed in Jesus Christ and His righteousness. For we have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I wonder if you've ever dreamed of having a fresh start, a do-over, of sweeping everything under the carpet and throwing it all away and starting over. Maybe even faking your own death and assuming a new identity in a new country. That's not what I did. Let's keep that in your mouth. It's a little bit extreme. But I'm sure, like me, you have things in your life that you regret. You might even stay awake at night replaying those events Uh, in your mind, wishing you had a second go at them. And this is a very bland example that I'm going to tell you, and you can talk to me personally if you want some juicier tea, but in my teens and early 20s, I didn't really apply myself, and I wish that I had applied myself more. I might, it might not seem like it now, but during those years, I didn't really have any direction in my life. I didn't enjoy academics, I didn't enjoy reading but I didn't enjoy hanging out with my friends. I did enjoy hanging, uh, playing sport with them and watching TV a lot. I regret not putting more time and energy into being uh, a better person, into learning and growing as a person. I wish I was given a second chance to do it all again, go back to school, listen to my teachers, pay attention, and really excel in life. Well, the good news of Jesus Christ is that by faith we are given a second chance. The record of our sin is wiped away. We are given new life in Christ. Now let me be very clear at this point that it is only by God's grace, it is only by the pouring out of His one-way love upon us that we are given this new identity. It's only in Christ that we have been liberated from our sin and our old self has been put to death so that we might walk in newness of life. But because of this new identity, if if we have in fact died and raised, been raised with Christ, then this changes everything. For sin no longer has mastery over us. God has freed us from sin, and we are now able to live for Him. In light of this new identity, Paul encourages the Colossians and encourages you and I that if we have in fact died to this world, then we should seek after and set our minds on the things that are above where Christ is seated with God. Because the gospel is not just something that gives us a new identity, it also gives us the bearings for life in this world. It is the compass by which we navigate life in this age as we wait for Jesus to come back. John Stott writes, the cross revolutionizes our attitudes towards God, to ourselves, to other people, both inside and outside the Christian fellowship, and to the grave problems of violence and suffering. The problem with all that I've said is that even though we are a new creation now with a new identity, even though we have died and been raised with Christ, sin still remains with us in this life. This new identity, this new life is yet to be fully realized. But as verse 4 reminds us, when Christ who is our life appears, we will appear with him in glory. There is a time coming when our new life will be fully realized, when we physically will be a new creation, when sin will be no more. 
But this causes a struggle within us. Because while we wait for Jesus, we still have to deal with the consequences of living in a fallen world with a fallen nature. We live in the in-between time where we are at the same time sinner and saint, at the same time innocent and guilty. This makes us prone to wander away from God. When the torrents and stresses of life come, when temptation comes our way, when we are overwhelmed by all that's going on, we, and certainly I, so quickly turn away from God and turn to the world for our help. We turn to destructive habits that promise so much and yet deliver so little, that have the allure of appearing to be good and true and beautiful, however, all they do is destroy us. Whether it's by self-medicating through drugs or alcohol or pornography or sex or gossip or retail therapy or isolating ourselves from others, we all seek these quick fixes that soothe the pain that is caused by our sin. We seek after the things of this world rather than the things that are above, where Christ is. And so Paul encourages us, as, though who, as those who have died with Christ, to die to this world. Look at verses 5 and 6 with me. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Paul doesn't mince his words here. He uses very strong language. He doesn't just say, forget about it or sweep it under the rug, but put it to death. Flee from temptation like Joseph from Potiphar's wife. Delete the app on your phone. Cut up, cut up that credit card that you have. Cut off your hand. Gouge out your eye for it is better to enter the kingdom of God with no hand or no eye. This is the language of repentance. We are to put these things to death because they turn our hearts and our minds away from Jesus Christ. We who have died with Christ have become those who are dead to sin. It is no longer our master. We serve another, one who is seated high and lifted up, who has been given the name above all names, Jesus Christ the Lord. In our gospel reading, we heard an example of someone who has put their heart and their mind on the things that are on earth. A man comes to Jesus to ask him to tell his brother to divide his inheritance with him. In reply, Jesus tells a parable about a rich man whose land produced an abundance of crops, so much so that the barns that he had were not big enough to store his harvest. So he tears them down to build bigger barns. This man is overcome with greed. And his wealth gives him a false sense of security as though he has life all sorted out. And what does God say to this person? He says, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you and all the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. This rich man was chasing after the things of this world rather than chasing after God. This passage hits me hard. I am this man. I hold too tightly to the things of this world. I'm so earthly-minded that I forget God. I give him second best or worse, I neglect him altogether. But Paul applies this same logic to the way that we use our bodies. It's not just the external things out there that are the problem, but it's our behaviours, the things we do, the, the things that we think about that turn us away from God. 
We're to put to death any kind of sexual sin, whether that be lust or any kind of sexual misconduct. We're to put to death our evil desires and greed in whatever form they take. It's because of these things that God's wrath is coming. I'm not sure where this hits you the hardest as Paul lays down the law on us. But maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to repent of a sin in your life. To put to death your old way of life and walk in a manner that is worthy of him. Later in this chapter, Paul will use the metaphor of taking off old clothes and putting on new clothes. Because through sin, we become those who are covered in dirty rags. Our sin is a scarlet letter upon us. But through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Through our faith in him, God takes our old clothes and he nails them to the cross and gives us a new set of clothes made in the image of Christ. So put off those old dirty clothes. Get rid of them. They're no good to you anymore. They stink and they're full of holes. Instead, put on Christ and his righteousness. For you have died and your life is hidden with God, with Christ in God. The good news of all of this is that God is at work by his spirit to do this in your life. We are being renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator, not through our own efforts, not through our own abilities, but by the work of God in us and on us. Our salvation is not based on how good we are at putting off the old self. For by the grace of God, we have already died and been raised with Christ. And one day we will appear with him in glory. But while we wait for that day, my prayer is that you would, by the power of the Holy Spirit working within you, turn away from sin and turn to God, setting your hearts and minds on he who is exceedingly true and good and beautiful, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me pray for us in that vein. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that by your love you have saved us. You have nailed our dirty rags, our sin to the cross, that we might be reconciled back to you. We ask that by your Spirit you would direct our hearts and our minds to Jesus. Remind us of the love that you have for us in him, that we might walk in a manner worthy of you. And this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at Advent Birmingham.